Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. You take out your pew Bible or the one that you brought and join with me in Paul's letter to the Galatians. Our text today is Galatians 5, verses 5 through 6, and then verses 16 through 26. Hear with me now the words of the Lord for us today. For through the Spirit, by faith, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But by contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things, and those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. My friends, this is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? O most gracious God, we find ourselves here once again, gathered with each other, gathered in your house, gathered to worship you on this holy ground. And so while we are gathered here this day, may our hearts be stilled and our ears wide open so that we would hear your words for us. But in hearing your words for us, may our lives be so rearranged that we would leave here with your words in our ears, but their meanings on our lips, on our hands, in our very lives, so that we would be not just hearers of your words, but doers of your words. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. 
So a few years ago, a neighbor of mine came down the street with a potted plant and he said, so I have this banana tree in the yard and I know you every once in a while have dabbled in growing odd things. Would you like a banana plant? Now what he was referencing was he knew that years ago, before we moved in the neighborhood, that he had heard a story about me growing ornamental cotton and tobacco in the Parsonage backyard in Thomasville all because I just wanted to see if it could be done. Cotton failed, just didn't get that one figured out. And the tobacco, I am told by the one tobacco farmer in the church, not bad for your first attempt. He says, I don't think you should sell any to Reynolds, but not bad for your first attempt. But anyway, so he brings me this and he says, here's all you got to do. Dig a hole and put the plant in it. It'll be just fine. I said, what about the winter? He goes, I just cut the dead stuff off. He says, it'll be fine. It'll grow back in the spring. All I can tell you is the tree did great until winter. And then it didn't come back. It was deader than a doornail the next spring. There was no happening with banana trees. And thus was my experiment in becoming a banana plantation owner. Done. But since then, I've learned some following about banana plants. I've learned that, for example, that the fruit, the banana, is really in the berry family. I still don't totally understand that, but that's be something I work on later. But what I've understood is that bananas, while that's the fruit, they're best grown as an offshoot of an existing banana tree. And that if you take them, if you dig up the offshoot and you plant it, as long as you plant it in rich, well-drained soil and the plant gets plenty of sunlight at least six hours a day and plenty of water, but not such that it becomes swampy around it, that it will grow brilliantly. And despite what my neighbors said, I've also learned they don't like cold weather, which seems intuitive, but he was misguided. And then what I've learned about the fruit, that the fruit, the bunch of bananas, it really grows from the central stalk that comes off of one of the branches, called the, inner, the inflorescence, or the heart of the banana. And then the rest of the fruit comes around it like petals. So why don't let's talk about bananas? Well, I think there's some parallels between growing bananas and this whole idea of how God's grace allows us to bear the fruit of God's kingdom for the world around us. I think there's something in there for us when we think about the soil and the water and the interconnectedness of that inflorescence, about being an offshoot of a great plant. In our passage today, Paul is telling the church at Galatia that it is God's grace that frees us from the burdens of the law. It frees us from works righteousness where we think that we must do certain things and check all the lists in order to receive salvation, in order to be in right relationship with God. It frees us for the law of love so that we might be empowered as followers of Christ to bear the fruit of love to the world which desperately needs it. So Paul lifts up three ways in this text, ways by which, by the by grace of the Holy Spirit that works within us, that leads us into a life of grace, a life of giving which bears fruit for this kingdom that we want to be a part of. And there's simply this, first, that we live in the freedom 
that the Spirit gives us. That grace gives us this freedom and that we are to live into that. Second, that we are to follow in the path of the Holy Spirit. That if we do that, our lives will be richer and more full. We will see growth. And third, to bear the fruit of the Spirit in all that we do. To bear that out into the world around us. And if we do these things, if we live by the power of the Holy Spirit, loving one another and bearing the fruit of love in all aspects of our lives, then we begin to see what the possibilities are in the world around us. So we start with this idea of living in the freedom that the Holy Spirit brings to us through grace. So to kind of get a better understanding of what that might look like, let's think about where we find ourselves sort of in the calendar of the year we're in the, in the calendar where there's many, many graduations going on. Some of them started last weekend, and they'll continue all the way through to the end of this month and maybe even into the 1st of June. So here's one of my favorite graduation jokes. And I told it this morning, and I will tell you that there's a corollary to it. I'll let y'all figure that one out on your own. But here's it is. What do they call the student who graduates last in medical school? Doctor. The doctor said to me, he said, there's one about what do you call the one that graduates last in law school. I'll let y'all research that one on your own because that starts a doctor-lawyer war, I'm pretty sure. I'm staying out of those. But it's true. What do you call the one who graduates last? You call them doctor. They still graduated. So I think about this graduation season. It's this chance for us to mark sort of the, the milestones in the lives of our favorite graduate, whether it's high school or college or trade school or graduate school or professional school. But the graduation ceremonies are no longer just simply caps and gowns and maybe a hood if it's appropriate. No, now there's medals and cords and stoles and badges and pins, all representing the achievements of the graduate. Sort of further advances this idea of meritocracy where it says, look at all the bling that I am wearing. If, oh, the more bling I have, the more effective, the more better I am than the rest of you that have less bling. But in the end, though, aren't they all just the same? All the cords, all the badges, all the patches, all the pins aside, all the medals, at the end of the day, first of the class, last of the class, aren't we all the same? Don't we all still graduate? See, what we begin to hear in this passage is that Paul is telling the people that the freedom comes from the power of the Holy Spirit, that there's freedom from us, that we no longer need to judge each other about how well we are at following the law, because the law was all about us trying to earn our salvation, and we can't do that. The debt that we have with sin and death is so great that there's no way that we could dig our way out of that. Sort of modern day example that might be to think about crushing credit card debt. If you know someone that is crushed under $30,000, $40,000 of credit card debt, and they've got a 30% interest rate credit card, there is no way they can get out of it, out of that debt, unless there is a major infusion of cash or some other lifeline that happens, right? There's no way, because if you just make the minimum payments, you barely keep your head above water and the debt just grows. You need a major infusion of cash or some other lifeline to get you out of it. Friends, before the death and resurrection of Jesus, that's where the world found itself. 
struggling under crushing weight of the debt of sin and death. And there was no way out of it until grace enters in and we are ransomed. We are saved by the one who loves us most, who pays our debt for us and releases us from the crushing judgment of the law to a land of free grace, costly grace, but still grace nonetheless. Because it's God's grace that frees us from the law and empowers us to live by the Spirit so that one, all of a sudden we can look each other eye and realize that all that matters is the one accolade that we can claim for our lives is this, child of God, follower of Christ. And at that moment, the playing field is level for us all. Child of God, follower of Christ. But once we begin to own this and begin to live into the freedom that that spirit brings us, then we begin to think about what do we do with that? If we know that we're an offshoot of that branch of grace, then how should we live our lives? So in verse 16, Paul writes, live by the spirit, do not gratify the flesh. In other words, live by the rules, the desires of God and not the desires of the world. And then he begins to give this laundry list. And I love how it starts out with immorality, debauchery, impurity, idolatry, sorcery, strife, jealousy, anger, dissension, quarrels, drunkenness, and things of the like. It's like he made the list super long. He goes, please don't make me list everything because there's a lot of things that we shouldn't do. Not because they're bad. They are because of what they do. They break down the human relationship with God and the human relationship with each other. And so as one scholar says, what really Paul is doing here by listing this long list, you really could divide it out into four categories. The fits into sort of the realm of the human struggle in our relationships with each other, in our relationship with God, in our relationship and ordering of society, in this idea of escapisms where we're even looking internally realize that we don't live up to even the ideas that we hold on to. But the reality of what Paul is saying here is this. This laundry list of things that we shouldn't anchor our lives in is because this is the not good soil. This is the bad soil of our lives. This is, if we're an offshoot of the tree of grace, don't anchor that in this soil. Because it's not good and it will not drain anything but us. Paul admonishes our lives to be anointed in the good soil admonishes us to follow the path of righteousness, to follow the desires of God, where we begin to ask ourselves this path of the Spirit, where we seek the light of God's love, where we seek the holy water of God's grace. Because we know when we get enough of these, enough of God's light and enough of God's holy water, in a sense, with God's grace and God's Spirit, then we feel the growth happening within our lives. talking about seeking the will of God for each of us. Talking about seeking the will of God in our lives. To constantly begin thinking about the things that we need to, to not do. So to let go of jealousy and envy. To stop with strife and quarreling. I know on this Mother's Day, there are plenty of mothers that are looking at their kids and say, what do you want for Mother's Day? And mom's like, just a day without fighting. That's what the world needs is a day without quarreling and strife. But what if we gave that up? We gave up worshiping ourselves, our stuff, and our ego instead. Worship God and God's glory for us, God's love for us. 
What if we decided to live in the simplicity of what God has provided for us and to seek the joy in that and in seeking that, seek love in all the right places and in all the right ways? See, my friends, when we do those things, we're anchoring our lives in the good soil, on the right path, following the path of the Spirit that Paul is encouraging us to live into. And if we do that, and our lives grow, then we know what comes next. We grow just like a great tree, a great fruit tree, where we begin to bear fruit. See, after encouraging a different path, Paul says to the church, if you follow the path of grace, then you will bear fruit. And the fruit of the Spirit looks like this. Joy, it looks like this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, generosity, self-control. So we live by the power of the Spirit. Then this is the fruit that we bear in the world around us. Think of all the places where joy or peace or patience is so desperately hungered for, or kindness or generosity or faithfulness or gentleness. Think about that. But notice how he starts his treatise off with, he starts it off with love, because love is the core. It is the, it's the inflorescence, if you will, of the great fruit of the Spirit. It's that central core upon which everything hangs and is, and is birthed from. See, love is the core because God is love. Grace is God's love. And God told us to do what? Love one another, love your enemy, love yourself. Love God with all of your heart. See, love is the core, and all the rest of that named in Galatians are the petals that surround it. So in a world that is driven by data where we look at our investments and we want to know what the return on the investment is, or we want to know what the earnings per share is for the companies we're invested in, or if we're doing a science experiment, we want to know the results so they follow through with our hypothesis, or if you're an athlete, you want to know your, st your stats, maybe if you're a baseball player, your ERA or your batting average, or if you're in school, your GPA. So we want to know the results, we want to know the data, because that tells us how effective we are at what we're trying to do. Friends, faith is no different. It just looks a little differently. See, when we begin to accept grace, when we stay on the path, when we anchor ourselves in the good soil, then we begin to bear fruit. That's the proof of what's happened in our lives. We begin to show the world this idea of joy and peace and patience and love and kindness and generosity and faithfulness. They see that in who we are. And it begins to make a difference, not only in our lives, but in the lives of our families and in our communities and around outside of us. So bearing the fruit of the Spirit is the final part of this treatise on grace that Paul is challenging us with because the world is hungering for this fruit. So this week as I was driving home, I passed a yard somewhere in one of the neighborhoods I passed through and there was a banana tree, as you can imagine, right in the yard. And I thought about that tree and I thought about this passage and I thought about my failed experiment in growing bananas and thought, I wonder... If this tree will bear fruit, we know that it's the offshoot of a banana tree. If the soil is good, if it gets good sunlight, if it gets good water, it has a chance to grow. And if it grows enough, 
It will bear bunches of bananas. Maybe not like what we see in the grocery store, but bananas nonetheless. It will bear them. I kept thinking about this idea of bearing fruit and what does it mean for us? And what I came to mind was not only this text, but some words that I read from Gandhi a couple of years ago. He said, your beliefs should become your thoughts. Your thoughts should become your words. Your words should influence your actions. Your actions should become your habits. Your habits begin to show your values and your values become your destiny. My brothers and sisters, we are offshoots. We are rooted in God's grace to live freed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we have the good soil of God's word. We have the good soil of God's light and water all around us, nurturing us along the path where we grow. And if we will stay in touch with that, if we will let God to continue to nurture us and continue to work within us and to grow us, then guess what? We will bear the fruit of the Spirit. We will bear it in bunches. And that, my friends, is our destiny that for the community, for the world, for the people called Centenary to be so faithful that we are bearing the fruit of the Spirit to a world that desperately hungers for what we have found, that desperately hungers to know love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. But most of all, the love of God that has grounded our lives and that gives us strength every day. So friends, may we be forever changed to go forth and share that fruit with the world around us. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast for Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you will consider joining us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. Blessings. Blessings.